What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 26 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in, guys. Um... Yeah, so here we are, another Sunday, so uh, around here that means it's a vault episode, um, which I take one of my old player interviews from my old website and uh, and re-upload it, and uh, cause like I said, I, I had about 40, uh, 44 episodes, and uh, you know, 30, 30 of them or so were with players, and uh, I felt that when my website went down, of course, the interviews were lost, so I really wanted to keep, uh, I really wanted to get those interviews back up and out on the internet and for people to listen, because the guys shared, were nice enough to take the time out to share their stories, and uh, I, I wanted to, you know, I guess, well, I guess put them on the internet to preserve them, right, so everybody could always listen to them, so um, that's what we do every Sunday, and then, of course, every Wednesday is new content. And uh, this past Wednesday, I had legendary NHL enforcer Jeff Audgers on, and he was a great guest, and I want to thank Jeff again for coming on, and we talked for about an hour and a half, and I think I highly, if you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to go back and have a look, listen, as well, like I said, this is episode 26, so 25 other episodes to go back and listen to, and uh, like I said, I've interviewed, uh, have uh, lots of player interviews up, Roman Volpat, Joey Tedareko, Marasti, McMorrow, McIntyre, on and on. And uh, like I said, just go back and check it out on all the major platforms. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think you guys will really dig them if you're into the uh, old school and uh, and uh, and that type of thing. So, But anyway, for today's guy, I think I figured, well, we may as well just have Audrey's week. So this is actually, it was my second ever player interview, and it was with Dakota Odgers, Jeff Odgers' son, who played in the Western Hockey League, and as well as the SJHL, and is currently playing Canadian University Hockey at Carleton, and uh, finishing up his ag degree, and uh, and it was funny with this interview, I, it was maybe it was a sign of things to come, but I phoned him, and he was out, uh, of course he was back home in Spy Hill working on the farm, and uh, we did this interview while he was in the tractor, working the field, so... How many podcasts are you going to get when the guest is in a tractor? So it was uh, only in Saskatchewan, right? And uh, so it was. It was a lot of fun talking to Dakota, and and, uh, and like I said, it was uh, uh, he as well as his, as his father were great uh, were great guests, and and I kept in touch with them on Twitter, and uh, Dakota and I are you know uh, talk now and again just through the private messages and bullshit and stuff, and uh, you know very very nice people, and I can't thank them enough, and. Uh, no, they were great. So, 
Yeah, I will get to that shortly. I just got to, I'll throw a few things out there and then we'll get going here. Um, I'd also, at this time, I'd like to thank a uh, longtime supporter of the show and uh, Kent Staniforth. Um, also, he was, I've had him on as a guest and check out his interview. Uh, legendary Western Hockey League tough guy from the 90s and he was a great guest and uh, he told some great stories and, and, uh, and it was interesting because actually Mike Babcock was his first. It was Mike Babcock's first coaching job with the Moose Jaw Warriors when Kent was there, and uh, it's an interesting take on it. We'll put it that way. Um, and at that time, I think when I did the interview, yeah, Babcock was still coaching the Leafs, so yeah, it was a very relevant take at the time. But um, yeah, no, he uh, sent a very nice gift again, Kent. I know you're listening. You certainly did not have to do that, and I want to thank Dennis Bonvi as well. Um, and uh, there is a cat I'd like to get on the show. I think we'll, I'll definitely have to try to uh, um, wrangle something up here to get old bones on the show because I think old Dennis Bonvia doesn't get much more legendary than that. And I imagine, I mean, that could be about a ten-parter if you tried to get all the stories out of that cat. So, but I definitely have to reach out to Dennis. Um, I've talked to him privately on Twitter and thanked him for the gift and everything. But uh, yeah, I have yet to ask him about coming on the show. But uh, I'll have to get up the nerve to ask. But uh, but no, Kent, uh, uh, thank you again very much. And uh, you, again, anybody, if you're in the sound of my voice, I always say this, but if you're ever in Lloydminster, Saskatchewan, or Alberta, it's a border city, right? For those of list, like, what are you talking about? Lloydminster is a town that uh, the actually the Saskatchewan and Alberta border runs right through it. So you either live on the Saskatchewan side or the Alberta side. And uh, so that's why they call it the border city. And uh, it's actually a really cool town. I dig it. And uh, Kent owns the Fountain Tire in town. So if you ever need new tires, all seasons, winter, roll into Fountain Tire, ask for Kent, tell him you want the fourth line voice discount, and he'll hook you up. I don't really know if there's a, there is no discount, but hey, say it anyway, we'll see what happens. See, tell him you listen to the podcast. Hey, maybe he'll help. Kent's a good dude, he might help you out. If anything, you can, you need tires anyway, at least Kent will, you'll get some good WHL stories out of him or something. Tell him you want to see his office, he's got cool stuff in there. But, uh, no, great guy, and thank you very much. And uh, as well as, uh, you know, I know it was actually asked me on Twitter about the Seattle Kraken thing and everything, and it's like, I know there's a million other podcasts that will talk about it. Hell, the Hockey Podcast Network, I'm sure they have a Seattle Kraken podcast. If not, they're they're going to soon. They have a podcast for every other team on the network as well. Check them all out. I mean, with the season starting up again or the tournament, whatever the hell they're doing. Um, I don't know. I don't watch it, but it's like a round-robin tournament, isn't it? Something like that. Um, you know, the network will be firing on all cylinders. And, of course, you still have myself and Terry Ryan. We're the, uh, we're the outcasts talking about old-school stuff. But, uh, you know, check those out. And, uh, like I said, somebody was asking about the crack, and I'm like, eh. Although I will say I dig the, the jerseys and the logo and shit are cool. I dig that. Um, just not a fan of the name. I just, eh, I don't know. It's kind of. I don't know, it's kind of minor league-ish. And, I, hey, I dig the minors. I'm not, you know, actually, I like the minors far more than the NHL. But um, but it sounds, like, really SPHL-ish to me. I don't know. It's just kind of, eh, you know. But uh, but like I said, I dig the logo and stuff. But, uh, yeah, what is that, the NHL? 32nd team, I think. So now at least they got an even number. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not following it anyway, so. But it's if you're into that, whatever. But I know the uh, merchandise and logo and jerseys and everything will be highly uh, sought after and popular. And l- listen to this segue. I'm going to go right into it here. 
you know, I'm going to do, it's not an ad read, it's an ad suggestion. Um, a net sponsor for the network is CoolHockey.com. They've been around since 1999. NHLPA endorsed. So if you're into jerseys, i got a deal for you. And I know a lot of my followers on Twitter and my listeners are into the jerseys. You're going to buy the jerseys anyway, especially the new Kraken one, or now that the season's starting back up and you're in the mood. Everybody's always looking for a third jersey or some jersey anyway. <clears throat> well, CoolHockey.com, you can go there. Type in THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, and uh, you can get the custom designed or custom named, like put whatever name you want, number, like I always say, Hammer the God 39, 69, whatever number you want to put on, uh, hand knitted, it's got a fight strap. I mean, it's the legit stuff. It's the same jerseys the dudes on the ice are wearing. And uh, you can get them, you can get all that, free shipping, 180 bucks. There, how's that? Can't beat it with a stick. I mean, that's what it was when I went and checked it out the other day. Uh, I just went and picked a Calgary Flames third jersey, typed in McGrath number 16, hand-knitted, and it came out to one eighty five ninety nine with free shipping out, out of Toronto. So there you go. And I know, like I always say, I was at the mall. They want $300 for, like, those jerseys. So there, it's almost half the price. And uh, how can you beat that? So there you go. What more can one man do for you? But again, you got to use the promo code THPN, and it helps out the network here. I mean, I'm not getting any money from it, but it's like, you know, uh, you know, Isha and, and Dylan and those guys. I mean, and Ed and them—they're busy running around uh, trying to get all these podcasts out there and all these podcasters in line and and uh, make sure they're getting their episodes uploaded and everything. And uh, you know, so it helps these guys out with costs and everything. I mean, it's easy for me. I just hit record and then walk away, and they upload everything and all that. And promote it and everything so um as a podcaster it's very easy and it's very much appreciated that uh like i always say that they asked me to come on the network it's uh it's been (coughs) pardon me it's been a great uh great platform and they've been good to me and everything they've promised me they've done and uh you know so if, if i can help them in any way and uh like i said if if reading if getting a couple people to buy some jerseys at coolhockey.com helps them out why not and like I say, you're buying the jerseys anyway. So, hey, you can buy a jersey and help a podcast out. Uh, it's win-win for everybody, right? So, coolhockey.com, THPN at checkout. There you go, 30% off and free shipping. But uh, other than that, guys, uh, so, you know, I don't really have too much to say. Like I said, check out the network for all the other shows, as well as my boy Alec over at Five for Fighting. He just had Chris McAllister on, which is a great interview. Uh, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles doing up with Brian Curran. Uh, my boy uh, Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop. Uh, he was doing a top 10 East Coast League fighters. He loves them top 10s. I was over there a little while ago. I did an LNH one with him. Alec did a what did Alec do? Tampa Bay Lightning, and Joe did a Islanders one, and uh, yeah, he's always fun to talk to. And then, uh, of course, then he gets to his lightning round questions. You never know where the show's going to go after that. I mean, it takes a put it this way: it takes always takes a hard right when you're dealing with Bobby. But uh, no, <laughs> lots of fun, and he's selling bucket drop hats. Check him out on Twitter, Bucket Drop Podcast, and uh, all the money raised, the proceeds go to the Children's Center in Cornwall, Ontario which is a home for abused children and rehab and that type of thing. So it's a great cause. I got my lid. I know Alex has his. And, uh, you know, and I know a few people have bought them. So anybody out there listening, it, like I said, it's for charity. It's a great cause. Get a hold of them on Twitter. 
Also, fourth line voice on Twitter. Check me out. Always putting uh, videos and pictures up and everything. And and uh, also my YouTube channel. It's got over uh, two thousand fight videos from junior to pro. Uh, fourth line voice on YouTube. And uh, like I said, I'm always uh, uh, you know hit the little notification so that way whenever I upload a fight, you'll get it uh, sent right to you. And uh, I'm actually gonna as soon as I'm done here, I'm gonna start uploading some more minor league stuff from about 2007 so yeah there's always there's always something getting put on there so i highly encourage you to check that out and like i said uh check out the other 25 episodes in the channel like uh you know i know everyone listens to spit and chiglets and john scott show and jansen show and i mean they're in their great shows you know i don't blame you but uh i always say you know try to try to support local shop local you know, us little guys, we need all the help we can get, and we're all fighting for airtime. And I know there's only so much time in the day for people to listen, but, uh, you know, the fact you're listening to me right now, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I hope you uh, enjoy what you're hearing and, and, and with the uh, episodes that I've had, and you stick with me. And, um, yeah, and like I said, I know... Uh, you know, we, we don't have the we don't have the budgets that the big guys do, but uh, I think our our content is just as valuable. And uh, and I've often said, and I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything, but the interviews I've done, I'll put them up against Spit and Chiglets any day. If you want uh, information, content, and stories, uh, you know, I think uh, Alec and myself and Joe and and the rest of us guys do a pretty good job doing that. You know, we're passionate fans just like you, and uh, you know, and it. And we and we give a shit when we're doing the interviews. And uh, like I said, I'll, I I do all my research, and uh, you know I'm not just flying by the seat of my pants. I want to I want to give you guys the best interview uh, that that you can get. And uh, you know, hopefully I can do that for you, and, or hopefully you think I do. So, uh, but uh, you know, proof's in the pudding. So I'll let you. Here's my interview with Dakota Audrey's, and uh, and you, you can get a hold of me. Let me know what you think. And uh, like I said, please go back and listen to the other and other interviews, and uh, get on Twitter and drop me a line and let me know. And uh, or if you you know a guy that wants to come on the show or yourself or whatever, I'm always willing to talk to any fan and and stuff and have them on because everyone has an experience, right? And uh, so why not? Let me know. But uh, <clears throat> how about I just shut up and let's get rolling? But uh, I will uh, talk to you guys on Wednesday for some new content. But in the meantime, here is my Sunday Vault episode with none other than Dakota Odgers. All right, guys, thank you very much. Uh, live from uh, Spy Hill, Saskatchewan, is Dakota Odgers. Up in the, it doesn't get any more Saskatchewan than this, folks. He's actually in a tractor as we speak. Dakota, how's it going today? Going great. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. I was, I was, was going to say, before we got going here, we were just texting each other. He was like, give me 15 minutes. I have to fix a hydraulic hose. But you got the hose fixed. You're back in business. You're bailing. Yeah, we're hauling some bales here. I'm out here, out here with the old man. We're hauling some bales and getting them off the field. So just another day on the farm. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, th- like like I said, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. So what, what's the tractor? What are you riding? Is it green or is it red? It's green. Yeah, no, we're riding green. Both tractors are green. We got rolling out here today, but we do got a red one. So uh, oh, I can't you- say we're all green here. Oh, see, I, and here I here I was Mr. City, born in the suburbs here, but I, I had my farm talk ready because I thought for sure you were going to just like <laughs> shit on Massey or something. So I had the I had the John Deere <laughs> quote ready, and you threw me a curveball right away. No, we're a mixed farm out here. We got uh, two Massey combines. We got uh, two John Deere tractors, a Case tractor. We got uh, new Holland baler, John Deere baler. So we're a little bit of everything out here. 
Well, there you, I see. I was all ready to say, if it ain't red, leave it in the shed, or you know, <laughs> farmer born, yeah, farmer bred. My tractor will never be red, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, no, so, it's uh, we're a mixed farm here, that's for sure. Well, I'm, I'm slowly learning the farm life because, uh, like I said, I grew up. I'm a city guy, but uh, I married a farm girl here, so. It was, uh, I'm slowly getting turned here with the in-laws. I'm learning a little bit about farming. But, uh, what do you, what do you guys, uh, farm out there? Uh, we do an organic grain and cattle operation. Uh, we've got about 100 cattle and about, uh, 2,200 acres here. Uh, five generation farms. So me and dad are kind of running it. Uh, when I'm back for the summers, uh, back from hockey, I'm helping dad out. And then he's, uh, full time around here, uh, all year. So. There we go. That's kind of the gist of what we're doing. I see. I, I, did, I should have asked me. I had Josh Mazer on last week, and I should have asked him because he's a rancher too. I said, I may as well forget the hockey. I'm going to turn this. This is an agriculture podcast. <laughs> yeah, you get some views, that's for sure. I don't think uh, farmers hold their opinions back too well. So. <laughs> well, no, over a few crown royals, I've heard the father-in-law lay some science down. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to change the world over a few drinks, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I just sort of look at him and nod and be like, yeah, all right, I have no idea what you're talking about. But um, <laughs> how, how is it pretty, I would assume it's pretty dry out there. That's not too good this year, is it? Yeah. Yeah, no, we actually got a good good bit of rain to start there. I think we were the wettest place in Saskatchewan to start the spring, and then uh, and then the taps kind of shut off on us the last three weeks here, so rain sure won't hurt us. Yeah, no, I know. But we can't complain. We're a lot better than a lot of people. So yeah, I know the. So we're farmers. We're always bitching about something. Well, it's never good enough for a farmer. Exactly. Yeah, there's always something going wrong. It's either too wet or too dry or something. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the old father-in-law always said, "You want to make a billion dollars farming? Start with three million." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, well it's organic. Time. How is that going? Like, is that, uh, is that sort of an, obviously a new, uh, when did you guys make the switch to that? Uh, we got certified about, uh, maybe 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where we're, we're not a huge farm. Um, yep. so you kind of have to make the most out of what you got. Um, the crop, crop prices are good. We actually switched away from the organic cattle. We're back to commercial cattle now. Uh, yep. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, when you're feeding six dollar oats, you can buy it for two, and the yeah. cow prices stay the same. So, but, nope. exactly. But now you're getting to the farm podcast. Now you're getting my views here. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, we'll I'll switch. We'll go to the rig here. Here we go. We'll go to uh, <laughs> we'll go to growing up Audrey's here. Um, well, like I said uh, before, we got going. I think I'll kind of kind of attack this the same way that I what I did with uh, with Josh Mazer. I think we'll just kind of we'll kind of timeline your career and go through it and get your thoughts on a few folks and uh, and a few things, and uh, we'll see where we'll see where that leads. That sounds good to me. So you started off. You were playing. You played AAA midget in Yorkton, correct? Yeah. No, I uh, played AAA midget in Yorkton. Um, Played all my minor hockey in Yorkton, uh, starting out. And then, um, from there, played my triple A midget. Uh, I got drafted to Swift Current when I was, uh, 14 in the Bantam draft there. So, uh, they had my rights, uh, coming up. And then, uh, going to camp through there, played triple A midget when I was 15. Uh, played the first eight games, I guess, in Swift Current, uh, when I was 16. Ended up going back to triple A midget and, uh, I've probably had one of the funnest years of my life there. 
Um, we ended up, we made a good run there that year. We had a really strong team. Uh, and then going into that year, I went up to Swift Current, got called up, got to play the first playoff series, played every game against Calgary. Um, and once we lost out in AAA Midget. So I went from the Deadweights Challenge, and then uh, we lost out in Calgary on a Thursday night. Uh, I got a call Friday morning from the Terriers head coach in Yorkton there, uh, Junior A. Yep. Got in my car, got back about 7 in the morning. Uh, went into Yorkton there and uh, played Friday night against Melville, played Friday, Saturday. We won game 5 and 6, and we're off to the league final. So it was uh, quite the whirlwind there. Um, I was lucky. My brother was actually on that team. He was a 19-year-old that year. He was in uh, Prince George a bit before that. Yep. And then uh, we ended up winning the league championship in Yorkton there when I was 16 and uh, going to Western. Lost by one goal uh, in the final game at Brooks. We ended up winning RBC to go uh, to go to RBC. And, yeah, it was it's one of those things you never forget, being able to play with your brother and win a championship with him. It was just it was, uh, one of the craziest moments for sure in my life. It was a whirlwind, you know, jumping in the car and losing out Thursday in Calgary and playing in, Mel- or playing in Yorkton on Friday night. That's, so it was wild, that's for sure. Well, yeah, there's not to, well, this is like, you, you literally just answered like four of my questions I have written down, so this is good. You're, you're, I, I, I could just sit here and drink, this is awesome. Yeah, but, uh, you're just gonna go. But what a, what a whirlwind year there, to, uh, so 2012-13. Yeah, you started with the Swift and then you get some playoff action with them and AAA midget, then you're into the SJHL and you're into that final. I mean, that's, uh, you know, quite the, now what was the, uh, now, how did you feel like with the, well, I mean, obviously you got some WHL action in as well, but, but all, how, how was the jump from midget to, to junior? All uh, right. You know, it was a tough transition. Like, um, back then the SJHL had, uh, eight 20 or. Yep. So it was like, and we were playing Humboldt that year and they had, uh, like we had quite a few guys sent down from the WHL too as 20s. Uh, a lot of, you know, there were some tough guys, too, we had there. Uh, my brother fought a bit in the WHL. Uh, you'll probably remember Austin Boris. Yep. He, uh, he fought a lot for PA. Uh, John Nybrand, he was with Kootenai. So we, we had a big, strong team. And as a 16-year-old, you know, you, you sure don't have that band strength yet. And then it was the same thing with uh, Humble. Like, they had a bunch of big boys, and, and it was a fun series of playing. Like, it was mean. And uh, Alex Forsberg was actually back that year. Uh, that was a 17-year-old year that he came back from Prince George to Christmas, which he was the first overall pick in the dub, like, two years before that. So there was uh, a lot of people watching the series. And, uh, yeah, I remember that game six, like it was yesterday, that in Yorkton, I think it's uh, – they said it was 2,400, but I think that was for fire. It was more around 3,000, 3,500 packed in there. I remember all the aisles were filled up. It was a, it was a fun game to play in. We were up. 3 nothing after the first period, you're feeling pretty good because you know you're going to have a big shaker that night winning a championship, and then they tie it up with four minutes left. And then the uh, yeah. way it would have it, we scored with 26 seconds left to win it on home ice. So it was uh, it was a gauge we'll never forget, that's for sure. I was going to say, the roof must have come off that place. Yeah, you know what, I played in some loud rinks, but I think that one might take the cake when we won it that night. Well, it's just I'm just looking here yeah. with the with the SJ there in, the, in your playoff run with Yorkton when you came uh, uh, after you lost out in Swift Current there, you had eight points in eight games. Yeah, you know what? It was one of those things where uh, you know I I just kind of it came back and I wasn't sure how it was going to go whether I was going to be in a lineup or not. You know, at 16, and then I ended up uh, putting uh, a couple points up in the first game I was back. Kind of got some confidence. 
uh, ended up playing in the top six in the final, uh, which was <laughs> which I wasn't sure how I ended up there, but you know I kind of got some confidence and just got rolling and. Uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun, you know, being able to play those big minutes and, you know, you're getting some power play time and stuff, which for me, you know, I never would have imagined coming in, uh, not playing on the team the full year. Uh, it just kind of was one of those things where you just kind of get hot at the right time and things just uh, things just kind of fall into place for you. Yeah, I was going to say, it must have been a lot easier, obviously, having your older brother there too. Yeah, no, uh, well, Johnny, he was, uh, you know, he was a big boy and he wasn't scared of anyone, that's for sure, so... Uh, I probably got a little extra room because he was sitting on the bench. Uh, if anyone touched me, I knew he was coming off pretty quick because I, uh, I actually had to wear a cage, uh, just because I played triple A midgets that year. So I had to wear a cage and, you know, I was here a lot of it, but, uh, big Johnny, he, uh, he made sure, uh, I was getting looked after out there anyways. He had one of the best fights I think I've ever seen in junior hockey in that final there with, uh, Rhett, I think his name was Rhett Black here. It was, uh, John started skating about the blue line. I don't think he stopped till uh, he hit the guy right in the boards from behind there in Humboldt, and the place went exploding, and they went off. And yeah, it was pretty loud that night too when they started swinging away. Yeah, well, so so all the Audrey's boys, you, you guys come by it naturally, I guess. And you know what? The, the craziest thing is, I think John was probably the best puncher out of uh, all three of us. He uh, when he punched, uh, it it hurt guys. It buckled them pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, so obviously like kind of growing up, was it sort of, uh, like he basically, he, like, he toughened, like he took it out on you and toughened, basically just toughened you up by just taking it? You know, actually, I, I was kind of a little shit back then. I used to get Johnny all fired up and he never wanted to hurt me too bad, but, uh, when he had to, he put some good lumps on me. So I got pretty good at, uh, getting beat up from a young age, which, uh, turned out to serve me pretty well. <laughs> no, he, uh, he made sure uh, if I got on the line, it uh, it was getting taken care of, anyways. Yeah. So okay. So, but uh, no, he was go on there. No, I was just yeah. So no, I was gonna say so yeah. It was uh, like you said with the with the older brother kind of uh, yeah. He'll definitely toughen you up anyway. Yeah. No, he was good, and Johnny was so good to me as a kid. Like we used to do everything together. Uh, we moved around all over the place with dads. I mean, we became pretty close from a young age. So, so playing that year with him, uh, you know, it'd be the last time he actually, uh, blowing out his shoulder, uh, halfway through his 20 year old year. So that was his last full season. So it's actually pretty special, uh, looking back on it. And speaking of that, we actually got a reunion. Uh, Don Chesney, and a few listeners might know who he is from around the Saskatchewan rinks there, but, uh, yeah, he uh, he told us when we wanted. He said, "Well, in five years, boys, we're having a reunion." And sure enough, five years later, we are. So. Well, right on. That that that'll be awesome. Yeah, no, it'll be good to see all the boys again. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so for that, so so 2013, 2014, you're 17 years old. You roll into Swift Current, and here's your full your first full rookie WHL season. You you play 40 games. Yeah. And thir- you got put up thirteen tilts, and uh, what was what was it like? What was your first full season in the Western Hockey League like? You know, actually, uh, my first full season uh, didn't really get off to a great start there. Uh, midway through July, um, I blew out my shoulder, so I was in for surgery. I think it was about July twentieth. Uh, I somehow got it ready to go by the end of November, so I didn't play a game for the first uh, two months there. 
And uh, so it took a while to get into it. Uh, and then when I came into it, I kind of went in with the mindset where you're already behind the eight ball. So I kind of made up my mind that, well, there's already about, you know, 13 guys in front of you. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of have to, I wasn't going to sit out any more games. I sat out enough already. So uh, one of the older guys in the team told me, he says, well, there's only two ways you don't get scratched. You fight or you score a goal. So uh, I decided, well, I'm going to fight. So, so away we went, and yeah, no, that was a that was a good year. We had a really good team that year. Uh, I got to play with guys like Adam Lowry, uh, Tanner Lasan was there that year, uh, Zach Mackay. Uh, so we had some guys definitely that uh, some big boys that played a hard game too. So no, it was a fun year, and uh, it was a you know one of those years you just kind of get your feet wet, and jump into it. But uh, you know, it's uh, like Dad kind of told me with the the fighting end of it is. You know, that year, it, uh, it was tough because, you know, you have half a shoulder, you know, you're fighting guys, and you still can't lift a 20-pound dumbbell over your head. But, you know, you just want to stay in the lineup and you want to play, so you kind of do whatever it takes. But, uh, but no, I really uh, I really enjoyed my time in Swift there that year. So, but yeah. uh, there were some big boys that year, too, in the league. That's when the league still had some guys that were, uh, that were pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. It was, uh, but, I, well, right off the start, so your coach is Mark Lamb. Correct. Yeah. How was yeah. he? Yeah, the old, the old NHL vet there. Yeah, no, Lammer. He was old school, so uh, he appreciated the guy that uh, you know went to war for him and uh, and kind of played that role. Um, you know, he played he played hard when he played, and uh, you know he he was one of those guys. Or same thing, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he kind of did whatever it took to uh, stay in the lineup. So he really appreciated guys that stood up for teammates and uh, played hard and you know, played honest and just, you know, one of the things that I always really try to pride myself on was just, you know, being coachable because I think that can go so long. So like long ways with coaches and whatnot. And, you know, growing up around dad, I probably had that instilled in me where if you didn't listen, things were going to go your way. So, yeah. no, he was great to me. I really enjoyed Lammer. Yeah. Well, and, uh, like you said, with the, with the 13 tilts and only starting in November, you kind of, you kind of packed them in, uh, you know, you had to do them in short order here. You had a short amount of time. But uh, what was it like to finally, you know, with the visors and, you know, now we're, we got rid of the birdcage and it's, uh, you know, now it's, uh, you know, now it's, you know, no more messing around. It's serious now. How did, uh, were you, uh, how did how did you take to it? Was it uh, a little mentally taxing or were you, uh, were you ready or were you hesitant or? You know, I guess the only thing, probably the most hesitant thing was my shoulder. You yeah. know, to start with. Um, and then once I got the first few out of the way, uh, you kind of get some confidence with your shoulder and you kind of start to get it feeling a bit better. And, you know, the one thing, like you asked me there earlier about how, um, you know, like YouTube and stuff played into it, which for me, I tried to use it as, you know, anything you get use it as, a, as an advantage, you, you take advantage of it. And that was one thing where, you know, maybe at the start, you know, things fighting wise, it was, you were you were trying to do everything you could, but you know some things you go back and you were able to watch your fights and kind of learn and you know learn when you get an opening to take more advantage of it and, and different things like that and different ways to to grab and you know where you might have got split the punch and you know you kind of learn from it that way. So I wasn't I wasn't really uh, nervous about it uh, as much as you know I was excited to get you know where I could play that game because you know in midget you by then they put in the the four minute head contact, you know, it was just to that point where it was starting to get ridiculous and, you know, I could see it coming. So I was definitely ready to jump into junior. Well, that's the thing in triple A midget. I mean, at that point, 
Like, I've never understood, like, I'm not saying, I guess, I'm not saying that they should allow fighting, but at the same time, it's like, eh, you know, I, I don't think anybody needs to go to the electric chair because they had a fight in AAA Midget, you know, like, you know. I, I, I got a funny story about, uh, well, fast hockey, I guess, whatever it was, but they hadn't, they changed the AAA Midget rules, but they hadn't changed the Bantam rules. So we had this team in Yorkton, uh, there was myself, Tanner Lassan, Kalen Gervais, just the, you know, we had a, and then a bunch of tough Ukrainian farm boys. Yep. So we, um, we figured it out about, I don't know, five games in the season that you could fight three times a month and they couldn't suspend you because they hadn't changed the rule yet. So that year, you know, I think we were in November or something like that. The one game we were in Malvo, we had six fights. But you still got ejected for it. We only had uh, 14 guys on the roster. So we only had eight guys to finish the game in a tournament, and we were playing another one later that day. So it started getting a little out of hand, and Dad finally made a rule for our Bantam team that we had to be up for four by five goals before we fight. <laughs> and that was, you know, you'd, you'd have to go in and take your gloves off. You couldn't take off your own helmet, but you could take off the other guy's helmet. So they were they were full out. <laughs> little little cage rage. Yeah. Yeah, well, who would have thought the, yeah. vo- the voice of reason is Jeff Rogers? Yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, well, it was getting a bit out of hand because we're in tight games and guys just wanted to fight. So we finally had to tone her down a bit. Well, that's quite the group right there, yeah. yeah. But I always thought, like, AAA midget, right? I mean, it's already, you know, you've made the cut. It's like an elite level. You know, most of these guys are WHL yeah. prospects or SJHL. You know what I'm saying. And it's like, come on, you know, like, I don't know. Because I, yeah. I can remember AAA back in the day, like in the early 90s and mid-90s. If you fought, it was just you were kicked out of the game and that was it. Like, there was no suspensions yeah, was or anything. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. But you only are allowed three in a year. They put that in. So that kind of, that uh, tamed it down quite a bit. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll uh, yeah, we'll rant about that a little later, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so you're rolling there. Uh, you so your first season in the league here. And yeah, I've uh, I was watching your clip. I went I went to drop uh, drop your gloves, and I've been uh, I've been refreshing myself on some of your fights here. But you had a in your first year, yeah, you had a couple good ones. I mean, you had uh, yeah, you had the one with Shocker and Cole Hauser, and uh, actually a guy I wanted to ask you about the that big cat out in in uh, Prince Albert, that Mackenzie Stewart. That guy was a mean yeah, dude, you know, man. Yeah, I fought him. Yeah, he was about 6'5", 245, yeah. and I'm about 5'10", 180 on a good day when I'm standing in my high heels. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, he was, you know, it was one of those things where I came in the game and I kind of made up my mind. I wanted to fight him, and for whatever reason, you know, I just went out there. I got a shift against him, and, uh, yeah, and then the, he actually missed the big roundhouse right on me, and somehow I was so surprised. He missed me completely, and then I, my right hand was free, so I caught him pretty good. Yes, and he then did. he was such a big, strong boy, he got caught. He lifted me up about six feet, six inches off the ice and threw me down. So that was the end of that one. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, my skates were dangling midair. <laughs> well, it was kind of like going forward. It'll be interesting to see how he how he does as a pro. Like, I've kind of watched a bit yeah. of his stuff, but... Uh... You know, in this in this day and age, it's like I don't know if he's a if he's a decade too late or uh, you know we'll see. You know, he's a guy. I think he likes to do it enough. Uh, you know, if he would have came in 15 years ago, you know, he'd definitely be in the AHL for sure. Oh you know? yeah, and like you, uh, and like you said, at that size too. Yeah, oh, when you're that big and you and you somewhat like to do it, 
Uh, there's a big difference between a big guy and a big guy that likes to do it. And uh, I think he would have, you know, 15 years ago, he would have been, you know, I, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, I can name off the top of my head, like Jacob Doty. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He's a guy that comes to mind right away. Like, he put up pretty good junior numbers as well, you know. Yeah. But just nowadays, you almost have to be kind of that that Derek Dorsett or, you know, that Cody McLeod, or you have to be able to skate well enough. If you can skate, you can play. It's kind of what I've come to realize, you know. So, well, well, everybody's, well every, everyone, everyone's looking for Tom Wilson, right? Exactly, yeah. You have to be able to skate and you have to be able to play. And if you if you bring that edge, you know, like a Tom Wilson, you still have a play. You know, like, yep. I don't think that'll ever go away. I think the things that'll go away is your guys that, that uh, you know, play the four or five minutes a night that have 25 fights. I think you have to be able to put up 10 goals, you know, 10 assists, and you put in that 10 to 15 fight range, you know, if a guy is going to be able to do it and, and stay around in that, in that way. So that's just kind of the way I see it. And from the guys that I've seen and that have, have made it and have been successful, you know, you kind of, you have to be a, be a, be able to play and play a system. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah. So it was, uh, no, you're absolutely correct. It was, uh, I, I'm right with you. Uh, but just going through your kind of your fight card here the, in the first year, it was funny because I was watching, like I said, I got, I got my fill of Dakota Hodgers in the last two days. I said, I've, I've watched all your fights for like on a continual loop here to kind of just re- <laughs> refresh myself. But it was like, uh, you could definitely tell, like you said, with your shoulder getting confidence. You know, at the start of the year, it was the, I don't want to say you were hesitant, but it was a little, little, you know, but towards the end, it was like you were really kind of just sticking your chin out and going for it in the last few fights. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had a couple good fights there. I went on that. I remember that one road trip. I fought, uh, I fought Stewart, and then I fought that big shocker from Regina. I think yep. both of those guys were 6'5", and then uh, fought Griffin Reinhardt. Yep. And then uh, I think, if I remember right, I think I fought Poli twice in one game there too, which he was, uh, he's a true heavy, and he's still playing. He's still in the AHL, but that yep. guy, uh, he's a true heavyweight. I remember that one. Uh, he was uh, first fight, and you know I was starting to get comfortable and starting to um, starting to have some better fights there my first year. Once I started to get comfortable and fight and kind of learning from past mistakes, and because you know it's a big surgery coming off that shoulder and just getting your strength back. You know you're trying to play games and work it out, and you can't do too much. And you're still trying to play, but uh, yeah, that full eye the first fight. I remember I was mad because you know everyone kept talking about him and. You know, we had a decent fight the first fight, but it wasn't. I like I liked when the fights were pretty, you know, entertaining, and you could throw some punches and and then. So I said, "Oh, I went to hell to the box," and I looked at him. I said, "Well, that wasn't a very good one. Do you want to try her again?" He said, "Well, why not?" So uh, went out and I tried burying my head, and uh, it didn't really work out too well for me because he had uh, about six inches of reach on me. I think all mine were missing his chin by about three inches, and his were landing straight on. So no, he was uh, he was a big boy, but. Yeah, we played against each other a lot and just ended up, uh, the way it ended up going the next couple of years was, uh, we never actually fought again because, uh, I ended up playing with Thrower, uh, Josh Thrower, which he was kind of a true heavyweight and we'd always battle back and, um, you know, kind of debate, you know, who was going to fight him and he ended up always wanting to fight him. So, so yeah, he, and then, uh, there, I played with Trunk too and Gertson. So, so all those guys ended up going him after, uh, after our first couple goes there in Red Deer. Yeah, well, well, since we're talking about your first year here, I have to ask you, 
if you have any stories or what your thoughts are on a teammate of yours and who, who I maintain is was one of the most exciting fighters I had seen in a long time was Tanner Lasan. I was a huge Tanner. <laughs> I was a huge Tanner Lasad fan. He was, and selfishly, I always wanted him to go pro because I wanted to see what he could do in pro. But yeah, you know what? Actually, Tanner's still one of my best friends to this day. Um, we still talk all the time. We played in Yorkton together growing up. And you know what? If someone can show me a tougher pound for pound guy. I would really like to see him because he came into camp every single year about 155 pounds and fought anyone yep. and didn't didn't care. And that guy would try and fight a pastor in church on Sunday. <laughs> he just, he lived, breathed fighting. Like, it just, it didn't matter, like, uh, where it was. Like, I remember the one time we almost got in a fight at Subway in Swift Current. Some guy said something to him. We were almost in a fight in Subway in Swift Current. Like, it was just, he just loved to, you know, he loved to fight. And uh, so it was awesome for him because he got to play hockey and he got to fight. And he couldn't be happier about it. So, <laughs> no, he was about as old school as he gets. And, and I've never seen a guy. We actually ended up fighting in training camp for one year. Um, but uh, I've never seen a guy that that could dodge punches as well as he could. He just he was so slippery in a fight. You watch some of his fights. He, he never got hit square. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. It just. Guys would always miss him. They'd continuously miss him, and he'd catch him. And, yeah, no, he was uh, – I'm sure there's a lot of people with you on that one where he's one of the funnest guys to watch for fighting. Oh, yeah, like even on Twitter, like a couple of the guys, the American guys that follow me, I mean, they're not dub guys. They don't, you know, they don't know anything about Junior. But the one guy, the one night there, he was just kind of, oh, man, I'm going to drop your gloves. I'm bored. Who should I look up? I'm like, Tanner Lasan, just hit play, man, just hit play. Oh yeah, like an yeah. hour later, he gets back to me. He's like, "Holy shit, that's the he's the greatest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he's uh, yeah. He ended up. Uh, he didn't play his twenty year old year, but uh, you know, when he played his seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen, and uh, he actually we always went back and forth because we always joked about who was going to have more fights in the dub, and we actually ended up tied. So we really no one can take bragging rights on it. But <laughs> But yeah, we always went back and forth on it. Even when uh, he was still in Swift Current and I was in Vancouver, I knew that we actually never got to play each other. But like I said, we fought them out here in camp. And like like I said, he's one of my best friends. But all he wanted to do was fight me. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Everybody everybody needs a friend like that, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dad always talked about Darcy Hornchuk. I kind of mentored him for uh, you know the first few years in Atlanta, and then he got straight to Phoenix, and they ended up going the first game they played each other. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Talk about like similar styles, and it's just like spitting images of each other, really, in terms of the fighting style. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so okay. So you're. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you. You're also a rookie that year with current Bruin Jake DeBrusque. Yeah, Jake DeBrusque. Uh, still keeping contact with him there, and uh, you know what? Jake was just one of those guys where he's your perfect new age player he's big he can skate he's got great hands but he still plays with an edge like he's not he's not scared to go in the corner with anyone like he'll you know like you've probably seen in the playoffs there like he doesn't back down from anyone you know he's not gonna go out there and, and fight you know per se um but he's just he's a great guy too i can't speak high enough for jake i really had a lot of good time with him we used to drive in the rink all the time and we were both going to school then so we'd uh, we'd hang out every lunch hour there. And funny story about Jake is uh, 
someone bet him the one day that he wouldn't wear socks and sandals to school for the whole year, and sure enough, he did. Every single day, minus 40 and strip current and everything, he'd show up in socks and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, hey, did you ever meet, I imagine you met Louie a few times. Yeah, no, uh, Louie would come up after, you know, every game, uh, you know, all the guys would be loading the bus or whatever, and I'd make sure me and Louie would always talk there, and, uh, you know, him and Dad would get together there when we were on the road and whatnot, and when we were in Edmonton and Dad would make the trip up. So they actually hung out quite a few times, and I got to know Louie there, and, yeah, we've talked a few times there since uh, since I you know was done playing with Jake. So no, he's a, he's a sure good guy too. Yeah, oh Louis, he was he's a big dude, man. Yeah, yeah, that fight he had with McSorley, uh, the two minute one, might have been one of the best fights I've ever seen. Yeah, I remember back in the day, my buddy and I, we we met him in a bar actually at Edmonton. Like this was still during his playing days, and he was just massive. Yeah, it, it was like holy. Yeah, I heard he put up some yeah, he's impressive. Still, he's, he could throw some weight up in the weight room, I heard. I, I've heard some stories about him on the bench press. Yeah, I don't yep. know. Uh, I give Dad props for that one. I don't know if he wanted to go into that one too bad. Yeah, no, yeah, he's a, he's a big dude. Yeah, so but like, so when you were, like, watching him, could you see it? Like, you kind of knew this kid was going to do something? You know what? I knew he was going to be a good player um, just by his work ethic. Yeah. You know, um, he was always one of those guys where – We'd always stick around after practice and uh, do different stuff, whether it was shooting or just kind of, you know, do some stick killing, which he could try to get me a few tips. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, my hands <laughs> hands weren't quite the same as his. So we'd always stick around after practice. But I knew, you know, I knew that he, he had the work ethic, and I knew that if he got an opportunity, he was going to go with it. So I uh, seen him have the success he had this year was awesome. Oh, I, yeah, no, absolutely. He, uh, yeah. But the uh, so that's the uh, so that's your first year in Swift Current. So then the following year, you start off there. You play the first twenty five games, and then you get moved to Vancouver. So it's like you literally go from the smallest city to the biggest city in the league. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the change for me. Um, you know, it uh, I was you know what uh, things were in Swift Current. There we had three centermen, uh, Graham Black. Colby Cave and uh, who was that? Zach Mackay and two of those guys ended up playing the AHL and Mackay was a year older than me so it was one of those situations where you know you're kind of it's just one of those things where we just kind of talked about it and uh, Vancouver was looking to add a guy uh, they wanted some more grit in their lineup um, so it worked out awesome for me um, you know I really enjoyed Vancouver but yeah talk about a change you know Coming from Spiral, Saskatchewan, 150 people. You know, you played minor hockey in New York, which is about 15,000, and Swift Current, which is about 20,000, and all of a sudden you're playing uh, playing games in a PNE in Vancouver, and uh, driving in traffic an hour to a game, and yeah, it was it was quite the change for me, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, old Van City, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's booming, that's for sure. Well, and so like, uh, you play 49 games in Vancouver, you, you know, again about. You know, ten tilts and uh, and going through them. It was uh, like physically. How were you this year? Like, was the shoulder kind of ready to roll? And like, were you a lot yeah, more confident no, was, this uh, time? Yeah, no, I was a ton more confident that year. Um, you know, that was probably when I started to figure out things that were working for me in fights and things that that kind of weren't. And you know, I was fighting, uh, had some good fights there early in the year. Got my confidence up and. Yeah, it uh, things just kind of went uh, started going good. The fighting was, and uh, you know, another big thing was I was playing a lot more. Uh, you know, I was playing PK, and and I always found with fighting, 
Um, I always fought a lot better when it was in the spur of the moment type of thing where you're, you know, you you run or a guy gets ran or something like that. And it just kind of happens. You know, I, I just found I always fought better in those situations, you know, rather than you're sitting there cold and you're jumping off and you're going out of guy. It's yep. just, uh, it's a lot of different feel as a player. That's for sure. When you're jumping in and you're mid ice or mid shift and things just kind of happen and then it's just bang, let's go. Yeah. So no, it's, uh, no, definitely, um, I think it was my second game in Vancouver there. Uh, I had a good fight with Macklin, which was good. You know, new team, you're a little nervous, and, you know, guys are kind of still wondering what you're all about, and to have that fight early uh, just kind of got things rolling for me that way. But, uh, no, funny story about that one, too, is that it was, uh, so it was, that they just put in that stage fight uh, rule. So if you fought and they consider it stage, um, you got kicked out of the game. Yeah. So, you know, they start, they said, Aji, you're starting with the first line, but PG was starting their fourth line. So I kind of figured out pretty early what was going to happen there. <laughs> and, uh, yep. We ended up going and having a good fight. And uh, I'm sitting in the room after there, and uh, one of the uh, presidents of the team comes down. He looks at me and says, You a farmer? I said, Yep. And uh, I ended up sitting there with him. I was icing my hand and talking to him about cattle for about 25 minutes. I said, Hey, this place isn't too bad after all. <laughs> There you go. He there ended you up go. being a Saskatchewan. He ended up being a Saskatchewan guy himself, and we ended up uh, talking cattle until the intermission. I he had to finally get out of there. Is there a, is that so, no, is that staged fight? Is there a more ridiculous rule than the staged fight rule? You know, it, it isn't because you know I like I can't even name the amount of times that a guy would come up to you off the draw, and um, you know he'd just say, "Okay, let's go," and then you'd skate around for fifteen seconds, pretend you're playing hockey, and then drop the gloves. Yeah, like it was just like. It's like, just let guys go. You know, like, you're not stopping any fight. No. So, it just, but it, I guess it's one of those things where, you know what, they put in all these rules where, you know, to, to try and take away some of the physicalness, you know, like, be an instigator in the last 10, you get suspended, and, you know, the stage fight, and if you take your own helmet off, it's all these things where they're, they didn't want to, the dub didn't want to, um, take the fighting rate out of it but you know they kind of they're not going to go OHL on us and just say three fights but they definitely were trying to limit it a bit on a guy oh the OHL I feel so sorry for those kids in that league oh yeah no it's why well, you know I like we'll get into it later but I'm playing university out there and you know they just some of the guys because a lot of the guys kind of wanted to play that style and they couldn't even couldn't even do it you know you're trying to make a name for yourself as a guy you know, like I did my first year, and how do you do it? You know, like what are you supposed to do if you're a third, fourth line guy and you're on the fringe and you're trying to make a name for yourself? Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, what are you supposed to do? Like, you know, hit a guy really hard or what? Like, it's just, it's ridiculous is what it is, but it's kind of the way it's going, so which is unfortunate, but. Yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, just kind of going through the, the fight card here in uh, Vancouver, I mean, you had the one, the good fight with Yurik there and uh, Saskatoon. Yeah, and yeah, then, that was a good one. That was uh, that was Teddy Bear Toss Night. There's lots of people in there, so that one. Uh, <laughs> I think that was one of my first ones there too. So it was another, another. That was a fun one. Yeah, with uh, yeah. Yuri used to always fight. Uh, I think he fought like Zach McKay like six or seven times when Moose John Seth Kerman played. So he, I'd never get a chance to fight him because he'd always fight McKay. So and me and McKay were always on the same line. It was usually me, McKay, and Sam. So he never got a chance to fight him. So finally, I got on a team where I could and first game we ended up going at it so no it was a good one we uh we ended up having a good and i ended up uh, getting to know him pretty well after that we've had a few chuckles about it 
Yeah, well, that one, and then you had the one with uh, Southam and uh, Scott Allen again. That was a big kid, too. Yeah, he was, he was about 6'7", I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. No, Southam was a good one. He was uh, he was a hard puncher, Southam. We had a really good scrap there in Kelowna, I remember. It was, uh, he punched hard, I remember, you know, but we had, we went right back at it. So, no, that was a fun one, that's for sure, going uh, back and forth. And another good Sasky boy, so you knew uh, well, both of those, Eric and Southam are both Saskatoon boys, so I guess that yep. Sasky boys got something going on up top that uh, most other people don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was, uh, well, then, yeah, of course, uh, well, you brought up his name earlier, so, you know, well, first of all, I'll, I'll talk to you about your coach, you, your coach was Claude Noel, correct? Yeah, yeah. How was that? How uh, Claude, was that? He, was a, he was awesome, you know, at, uh, you know, I was very lucky with the coaches I had, I got along uh, really well with all of them, yep. uh, like, I can't really say I had a, a blowout with any of them, right, my God, so I was, but Claude, he was, uh, you know, obviously, he just came, uh, the year before he coached the Jets. So he was, uh, you know, he hadn't coached junior in a long time. I'm not sure if he'd ever coached junior before that. And, uh, and yeah, but he was awesome. You know, he was really good for a guy like me. I uh, really respected the role uh, that I played. And, uh, you know, he really tried to, to build me as a player, which like we were talking about earlier there, I mean, to stick around now, you almost, you have to bring something another just, you know, just fight, you know, Yep. As a guy, if you want to stick around and, and play, it's, uh, so he gave me a chance on the PK and I, uh, I really tried to run with that. And it's, uh, something that, you know, to this day, I still, it's probably one of the big reasons why I'm still playing, uh, is the PK and, and faceoffs. He was big with me. So he was awesome for me. Uh, really kind of gave me a chance to play and kind of prove myself as a player, which is a guy, um, you know, like you're probably going to get every guy on this podcast, uh, that, that fought, you know, you always wanted to play, you know, yep. there's not, any guy that, that wants to go out there and, and just fight and just, you know, that's all it's about. You want to play and you want to be a player, but, you know, there's certain, you know, you want to play a certain way too. And you understand that playing hard and, and playing on the edge is going to help you get those opportunities. So, no, Claude was great for me. No, yeah. Well, and then some of the guys you played with, you mentioned his name earlier, but like Josh Thrower. Yeah, no, he actually, well, we still keep in contact. Uh, he's actually in Allen in the East Coast. I'm not sure if they re-signed there this year or not, but we still talk all the time. We actually, we got traded on the same day together uh, to Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, we were there together in Vancouver and Moose Jaw. So yep. we became really good buddies, and we're still in good contact now. But, yeah, talk about a guy that can fight, throws the, uh, he was, uh, that fight with Goldborn might go down as one of the best ever, that one they had in the playoffs there. Yep. It was uh, it was a chuck on that for sure, and then uh, earlier in that year too, he uh, knocked down Dodie, which people people couldn't believe. And he he always laughed. He says, "Yeah, I got lucky to watch you." And I say, "Why is that?" He says, "That's the last time I ever got to, I ever had to play Dodie because uh, he had, Dodie was a twenty year old that year, and then Throsy ended up getting traded to uh, Vancouver in the West and crossover in the East. So I'm sure Dodie would have went after him if uh, they would have played it played <laughs> again, but I guess he never got the chance. So. There you go. You got your punch and get the hell out of Dodge, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can live up to that one. So it's hard to top that one. <laughs> That's what I kept telling him. I said, you just, just live on top while you can with that one. Exactly. Go out on top with the, with the Doty one. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, another yeah. guy you played with, he's actually kind of making some noise there down in the East Coast. The American League is, uh, Gertson. Yeah. He's a big boy. Yeah. He's a big, strong boy, but he was, he was a smart fighter. 
you know, he was, uh, he really used his uh, reach really well. Like, you watch all the fights. He, uh, he knew his size and he used it well. That's, uh, you know, but he's another guy with the way he plays, you know, he would have been your prototypical defenseman, you know, 15 years ago. Yep. You know, six foot four, 225 pounds, got muscles coming, coming on top of muscles. And, you know, he's mean to play against, you know, he's hard in front of the net and he fights, you know. But, uh, I think the biggest thing for him is probably just there, once he gets his feet up to speed, I think, you know, I, I really do hope he gets a few games. That's for sure. Just, you know, how hard he works and the shape he's in. I really do hope they get him a shot. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him get a, nice to see him make some NHL money for a little while for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, I don't doubt it. If he gets called up, you'll see him uh, on hockey fights there pretty quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody has to tell him, right? No, no, that's for sure. Well, another guy. Just you know, we'll go to the skill aspect of it as well. But uh, little Tyroning, how about that? Would he have sixty-one yeah. snipes this year or something? Yeah, he had. He, he caught fire there this year. Yeah, I my first year there. He uh, he broke his collarbone, so he only ended up playing like. 20 games or something that year and then the year after he uh i think he put up like 30 goals for us he was really good for us like he's another guy he, just, he really loves to play like he does that guy he uh he works hard and he competes hard and for a size you know you have to compete that way if you're going to be a smaller guy to make it and i i really think he'll do well in pro just with with how tenacious he is around the net he just he's one of those guys he just loves to score you know he just he always he's always looking to score and always trying to find ways to get to the front of that so i I think he'll do well at the next level. He's quick enough, and he's you know he's shifty enough. He'll do well with his size. Yeah, he uh, yeah, just like the old man. Yeah, I, I was saying to a friend of mine. Very similar, yeah. Yeah, I was saying to a friend of mine the other. I said, you know, you're getting old when all the hockey cards of the guys you collected, all of a sudden their kids are now playing in the league. That's when you're getting old. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> But, well, actually, looking at that team, I guess he would have been gone before you got there. But Jack McClellan was there too for a little while, for like five games or something. Yeah, I think I I think they kind of brought me in after uh, after he left. Yeah, but they, I was I just think, looking. Uh, yeah. I think that was. But he was kind of a he was a big kid too, just like you know, just, fought just like his dad too. This gangly kind of you know, yeah, he uh, you know obviously just didn't have the have the skill level or whatever to compete at that level, but. He was a big kid, I know that. Actually, some of his fights weren't too bad, I was looking at. Yeah, no, he did have a couple good straps there. Yeah. I know he had a couple good ones in training camp, the boys were telling me too, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, uh, you know, I ain't just like the last name, right? You're like, well, let's check this kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, no, then, he, uh... So then, uh, so the following year after that, so you're back, you play a full season in Vancouver. And now this year, your coach is someone I know uh, from talking to many times, Lauren Mulliken. Yeah, good Lorny, yeah. Lorny, how did that go? I was uh, I was going to say he'd have to love your style. No, definitely. He, uh, I fit in well with the way Lauren wanted his guys to play. Yeah. Um, like it just it kind of fit the way that I I played and kind of the way I thought. So he was he was old school and it was good. Um, you know, that year was frustrating because we came in and, and we were something like we were ranked like top 10 in Canada um, to start the year. And like 10 games in a year, we went on our staff road trip, everything was going really well. And then kind of the wheels just kind of fell off and it was, it was a frustrating year. Um, 
but I, you know, I can't speak high enough for Lauren. Like same thing as Claude, you know, another guy that gave me a chance to play and use me on the PK and, and for a guy that, you know, like you ask any guy that kind of played that role where you played hard and, and uh, you fought it, it always, you really appreciate a coach who does give you a chance and doesn't just, you know, sit you on the bench and, and think that he's just going to throw you out there when it works for him. You know, he gave me a chance to play in another situation where, uh, you know, I got to, got to play some meaningful minutes. So it was good. We actually, uh, myself and, uh, Taylor Crunk was on the team that year. So we were on a line together and he's another guy, um, still playing the East Coast there, but, but that's another guy who loved to fight and another good youth to watch if, uh, uh, some people are a little bored there, but he's tough. He's a lefty and, and he's me. He's about 6'2", 225 and he hits hard. He, uh, it was nice having, uh, it was nice and it wasn't nice having him a thrower because, uh, assuming your dad and you worked on fighting or am I assuming wrong no no it's uh I was about I think I got my first fight when I was about 13 yeah and I kind of said to dad I I kind of wanted to do it and he says oh like go grab a jersey from downstairs and we went up top in the living room there and he uh you know he showed me some different holes and where to grab and different uh ways to get out of when guys have you tied up and no it's uh actually that you know once but it's another thing where you know those things, but it's another thing of knowing when to use them. So that's that's another thing when, when I got fight my 18, 19-year-old year and 20-year-old year, you know, I finally understood when was the right time to use those to get out of hold or to tie guys' arms up and to try and get yours free. And, you know, all those things, you kind of – there's only one way to really figure out how to do it, and that's by doing it. So, But, no, we definitely had uh, the living room going there and a couple of hockey jerseys out and uh, screwing around. So, no, it was good, but – yeah, I was gonna say. Well, it's like what's the old uh, the old Mike Tyson quote, right? Every everyone has a plan till they get till they get punched. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, once you're uh, once you get hit, everything just kind of goes. Uh, for me, everything just kind of went black, and it was a free for all, and just punch till you either you drop or he drops. So that was always kind of the way I looked at fighting, and <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't a huge guy at hold. I always like just kind of throwing and. You know, get in tight, try to get as many rates off as you can. If you really have to, try and throw a left, but I knew it wasn't going to mean much more of a backing them off than anything. So yeah. it wasn't going to hurt them with a, you know, just me, me and dad both uh, suffered from having a, a little weak left. The, the, yeah, the, the uh, yeah, the left was to get his attention and the right was to, was the money maker, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was gonna actually just going back to Lauren, and, and and this isn't any, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, we're gonna sewer him or anything like that, because like I said, I've talked to Lauren a bunch of times. He's always really nice to me and, and everything else. But at that point, it was sort of like the, uh, I think that's pretty much his last kind of run as a coach. Had and I and like I was telling you earlier, I have friends out in Vancouver, and they're Giants guys, and you know, and I I'd hear their opinions on things and everything else, but it was just. I'll kind of get your opinion, and it was just uh, like at that point. Do you think the game had sort of passed Lauren by, or was it just was it a number of things, or like what do you think the issue was? 
I think there was a lot of uh, different issues uh, that year. Um, you know, I I think Lorne, he, he was such a players coach. You know, like he'd do anything for his guys. Yep. He uh, he was one of those guys where he, he was again like, one of the guys that genuinely cared about every single guy on the team. And I think that last that year, oh, I don't even was that the year we went through like forty eight guys or something. Yep. Like the hockey DB is like three pages long. Yeah, you're just and it scrolling. was just yeah. I think we had seven goalies that year or something like that. Like, it was just it, – it's hard to coach a team when you're going through that many guys. Um, I think there was a lot of different pressure from up top, um, you know, on different expectations and just maybe they didn't see eye to eye. I'm not sure. You know, I wasn't in those meetings or whatever. But yeah. it was a tough year. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was, it was a tough year um, that way. Um, just with – and then, you know, just – Probably we didn't have the buy-in from everyone that we needed to, you know, and that's it. You need a team that's a team. You know, like when we won that championship when I was 16, I learned right away that what a how far it can actually go when you have buy-in from every single guy on your team. Yep. And if you don't have that, especially with, you know, guys you're, you're counting on, you're just not going to win hockey games. Like that's, that's the bottom line with hockey is your best players have to be the best players, and if they're not, you're probably not going to win a whole lot of games. And that's, I'm not throwing the best players. I'm not saying that's what we lost either, but it's just, it was a combination of a lot of different things out here. And it just, you know, it was walking away. It was a frustrating year, um, kind of to look back on. Yeah. But as far as Lauren goes, like, I think he did everything he could do to, to have us succeed. Um, you know, he, he still was old school, but I think that, you know, I think coaching is almost, a bit overrated. I think if you have, you know, 20 guys that'll go through a wall for you, I think you're going to win a lot of hockey games. Yeah, well, it was like the same thing I said to Mazer, right? I said with the coaching, it's almost like uh, with the coaching, it's uh, too much credit when you win and too much blame when you lose. Yeah, no, I agreed with that one when I heard it, that's for sure. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, so while just kind of going through, we'll just kind of wrap up your, your Vancouver year. But, yeah, I just kind of, like I said, <clears throat> and I noticed as I was watching your fights, and, and maybe I'm just like, you know, I might be up my ass, but just from watching them, it seemed like you were a lot more confident in them. Like you seemed to be pushing. Oh, uh, yeah. Them. Yeah, like you seemed to be pushing it a lot more. Like going yeah, at them. No, like, in the, yeah, and I wanted, like, by then I'd kind of established um, how I wanted to fight, and I figured out going in right away how I just wanted to try and control the fight. I wanted to get in, and I wanted to get in tight, and I wanted to throw. I wanted to back them off, yep. you know, and try and make a bigger guy uncomfortable because they're so used to to try and string guys out and to try and you know if I didn't let them have that chance right off the start, I found I was successful. That's kind of when I fought. I was fight fighting my best, um, you know, when I had to to make them readjust how rather than have it the other way around where you get strung up. So yeah, that was Yeah, because you had that, that you had that re- I was gonna say you had that really strong fight with Jarrett and then the Clouston fight. It was like I mean Clouston you were yeah, I mean whatever you were bleeding, but I mean you that you were like going at it. Yeah. Like kind yeah, of going no, after sure. it. That, yeah. No Lear was probably when I was fighting my best. Uh, that was you know, I felt comfortable and felt good. I was still battling my other shoulder, actually. I tore it about that year. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things where I could manage it. So, but no, that was definitely probably 
that, and I had some good ones with my 20 year old year too. Um, but by then, like we were talking earlier, the the league had really changed from when I came in. You know, yeah. like there wasn't there wasn't guys that that wanted to do it as much. You know, it was uh, the game had really started to change where your fourth line instead of having you know, two 18-year-olds and a 19-year-old that you kind of take your pick from and get a fight, you were looking at, you know, two 16-year-olds and a 17-year-old. You know, yeah. it just changed. So, but no, there were still guys, you know, when he got the chance to actually play, you got some guys that wanted to do it, you made sure you took advantage of it, that's for sure. Yeah, well, so your, five, your 20-year-old season, you go in and, uh, and you, well, and you're, you end up in Moose Jaw. Um, yeah. Well, and of course, uh, and the coach in Moose Jaw is, Obviously, uh, famous enforcer Tim Hunter. Now, yeah. how, how, yeah. did, how did uh, how did that go? How was how was he as a coach? Tim was good, you know. But Tim was, uh, you know, at going in, I um, I thought Tim was going to kind of be almost like Lauren old school. You know what I mean? I kind of grew up around my dad and the way he looked at things. But but Tim was very um, with the game how it is now. Like it was all speed and skill and it wasn't as much um toughness per se you want a guy to compete but he wasn't a big you know just go out type of thing you know which kind of caught me off guard when i first got there so okay you know like what is he on the all-time penalty list list? like he's crazy high and but yeah he was uh he was you know another guy you know he was good to me and i got nothing but a good thing to say about tim um but yeah like that year was uh tough because first First preseason game of the year in Brandon, um, I, I separated my shoulder. And then as a 20-year-old, you know, you're as a guy like me, you know, you're kind of on the edge as it is. So, you know, I I didn't really tell anyone. <laughs> I think I popped my shoulder out about 10 or 15 times that year alone. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you wanted to keep your job and you wanted to, uh, to stay around. As a 20-year-old, you know, I wanted my one last shot and then, uh, I think they kind of caught on, um, and then uh, the trade deadline's the 10th, and uh, they told me I had an MRI on the 6th, so I kind of kind of knew the writing was on the wall there. Um, but you know what? I like I told them in my when I when they told me that I have no hard feelings. I've been around the game for for as long as I have. I understand that you guys are looking to make a run, and and you know having someone that popped their shoulder out 15 times by January 10th uh, probably doesn't fit too well with what you guys are thinking. So. I understood it. Uh, it was tough, but, uh, you know, I got a chance to go back to York in that year. Um, yep. and, uh, you know, I got a chance to play about 25 minutes a night. So, so that was fun too. You know, I wanted to, they told me I kind of, I probably should get surgery, but I wanted to push it off and, you know, playing, I think I played like, uh, 270 games in WHL. So I got, uh, you know, that's the one thing I can say is I absolutely don't have one regret about. Uh, what I could have done out there, what I left on the ice. I know that I left everything I had out there. So I know it was good and, and had some good fights too in, in Moose Jaw there, my 20-year-old year, uh, even with the shoulder. So, no, it was fun. I really enjoyed Moose Jaw. It was nice to finish it up close to home too, only about two and a half hours away from the farm. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so you're, you're kind of like back home almost. And, uh, yeah, well, and like you said, then you had the, you had, and then you had the run in, uh, in Yorkton to kind of, to kind of cl- put a close on your, uh, uh, on your junior career, that w- that was kind of like uh, basically coming full circle. Yeah, no, it was cool. You know, you go back in that room. I hadn't been back in that carrier room since I was uh, 16 year old. 
Yeah. You know, I remember walking in the first day and I was expecting to see all the same 20 year olds I'd seen, you know, when I was there. Yeah. But they, they were all almost done university and then, you know, you got a whole new group of guys and it was, it was fun. You know, I got to play a ton, like I said, um, you know, got to make a little run in the playoffs there and, you know, play one last time in Yorkton and I kind of, um, you know, with the WHL scholarship and stuff, I kind of knew, uh, it was almost too good to pass up. So I kind of already knew whether I finished in Moose Jaw or not. I kind of knew the direction I was going to go. And so it was just, it was fun to go back and play. So yeah, I met a lot of good guys there too. So. Well, while while we're sitting there talking about the SJ and the W, what do you think the what are you what are the biggest uh, differences between the WHL and the SJHL? You know, I think it was a lot closer. Um, you know, when I played when I was sixteen, yep. if I'm being honest, um, I, like I really do believe that. Maybe that's just because I was young, but um, you know, the SJ back then, like it was still it still had that mean edge. You know, like you still were playing. And, you know, like a lot of guys, a lot of tough guys came from the SJ and it was still had that kind of mentality when I was 16. Yeah. And then going back, uh, when I was 20, they put in that rule, you can only have one fight and it just, it took everything away from it. You know, you have your guys who are farming all summer and they come in and, you know, that was their, that was their dream was to play for the Yorkton Terriers if you're a guy from Yorkton, you know? And I just, I feel like some of that's gone and you look at the crowds now, you know, like, Teams are having a hard time draw because, you know, you look at when it used to be Yorkton Melville, like you were guaranteed like three fights. You know, yep. like people would just come to see the, you know, the hometown boys, the Melville boy versus the Yorkton boy, like, you know, bragging rights and stuff like that. And, you know, like Barry Spargy and Derek Parker, I can remember as a kid, going, you know, going <laughs> yep. to watch them when I was six or seven years old. And, and those two would go to center ice and everyone knew it was happening. Yep. You know, like people were at the game to see Barry Spargy and Derek Parker go to center ice. You know, and, but it's just, it's changed that way. And I think the WHL, this, their high end skill is so more high up. You know, you have your first and second rounders and it's just, it's a step above, that's for sure. But I mean, for guys that want to go college, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity too. You know, you get to play and you get to develop a bit more. You probably get to play at a younger age. Um, you know, you get to, I almost, I almost wish junior was more, um, like, you know, put guys in, in midget AAA and junior A for 16, 17, let them play rather than have a guy 16, 17 just sit on the bench. You know, I've seen that so many guys, I've seen so many guys go through it uh, in my time at WHL. I just, I really wish teams would send more guys back at 16 and 17 just to let them play. You know, I know that we're playing at WHL and it's, it's awesome and it's, it's so cool to play at WHL, but the bottom line is that I'm a big believer and you've got you to gotta play to get better. So I think that's where I'd like to see more guys, you know, play in the SJ and junior A or play in the SJ and major triple A than make that jump earlier. Well, I think the talk is now, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but are they talking, well, I think they're talking about moving, is it the draft age, the NHL entry draft? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that, which I think would be, I don't, I don't see any problem with it. I think they can even move the WHL, you know, like really you're trying to predict what a 14 year old kid's going to be at 19. It's a, it's a tough job on the scouts, you know. Yep. There's so many different factors that go into it. It's just uh, it's hard for them to predict it. So I I think the later the better. A lot of times because you have your guys. Obviously you have your Connor McDavid and your you know Austin Matthews and stuff like these guys are just so heads and tails better than everyone else. But you look at everyone else, 
see. Like, maybe would it hurt him to go back to junior for another year? I don't think so. Well, everything just seems so rushed now. Yeah. And that's, you know what, and, and that's where uh, I even seen the difference in the way guys were, um, you know, in junior A and stuff like that, where guys don't have the pressure of, of having an agent or having, a, you know, the, all that expectation where, you know, guys weren't really guys anymore. Guys were, you know, instead of going out and having a pee with the boys, you were drinking a protein shake and jumping in the cold tub. You know, it was just, and yep. for me, growing up in a small town, like, I always grew up, and you're a guy's guy first. Like, that's kind of what you pride yourself on being on. And, like, dad made a, you know, his last four or five years probably just being a good guy in the room. Yep. You know, teaching younger guys how to do things. And, and uh, but I think a lot of that's gone away from the game with the cell phones. And, you know, now people are talking to their agents on the bus the whole way back instead of, you know, going way back to the bus and playing cards with the boys or, you know, all those things. Uh, are really different. I noticed as I went through my uh, four years, five years in junior, it's just, um, you know, it's frustrating, but I don't think it's going to change. I think there's so much money involved in it now, right? Yep. That there's just so much pressure on these kids. And I, I, I really do. Like I, and that's where I was so lucky with dad is uh, not once did he ever tell me to, to go to the gym or not once did he ever tell me, you know, you have to do this or I have to do that. Everything was up to me on what I wanted. And, um, you know, I, I wish it was, I've seen so many guys just battle and, you know, try to perform up to people's expectations all the time where I never really had to worry about that. It was just more my own expectation than what I expected out of myself. Well, that was one of the questions I had here. Did you ever feel like the pressure with the last name? Um, to a point, uh, yes. You know, you were always Jeff Audrey's son. Um, my first few two years in the league, you know, that's all you'd kind of hear. It was, oh, you're Jeff Audrey's oh, you're Jeff Audrey's But once I started kind of getting out and making a name for myself, I kind of, people kind of looked at me, you know, just as, you know, odd, you're Dakota. Um, it wasn't as really much, you know, oh, you're Jeff Audrey's boy. You know, it'd come up if you've seen, you know, obviously his old teammates or whatever coach, and they'd come in and say hi. Like, I remember the one night in Portland, Chris Jury came down and said hi, because I used to, he used to make tape balls for me all the time when I was a kid, so. Um, you know, that was different, but you know what? I, by the end of it, I really didn't. And now, you know, kind of where I've gone with it, it doesn't really even, you know, I don't bring it up really. And a lot of guys probably wouldn't have any idea out in Ontario that, you know, who my dad is or anything like that. Yeah, Obviously, well, you know, you're proud of him and what he's done, but at the same time, you're kind of, you're trying to make your own name and, and uh, carve yeah. out your own, you know, spot. So, that's always the way I looked at it is you're proud of what he did, but you're your own person and you kind of, you go out and make your name. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, like you said, 200 and 200 and what, 30 some game, 40 games in the, in the Western hockey league. You certainly did that. So it, uh, you know, um, well now you're, you're mentioning school. Yeah. So you're out in Carlton at university there. How's that going? How was your first year? It was good. No, it was really good. Like it, uh, you know, the way I played, I knew it would, fit in uh you know i had some opportunities to go down south and whatnot um but I, I got my shoulder done again last summer um and then you know with the WHL scholarship with how good it is and to lose it like you lose it after i think it's a year or a year and a half you lose five years of school yeah um so kind of the way i looked at it was uh like this year alone we had two guys off our team um both of them signed in the ahl we had a guy before that play in the AHL and go to the 
German Pro League, and so there's definitely don't you know, and it's good hockey, and um, there's still opportunity to play. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. Was you know what, I'm going to have some opportunities to to go after and um, and do some things with it. But right now, I want to take advantage of the schooling and um, and play some good hockey. And I'm actually I'm lucky. I have a coach out there, Sean Van Allen. There you go. Um, yeah, that was my who, next question. Wait. Saskatchewan boy, um, the old Sask- been, the old Saskatoon I, blade, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, you know what, boy, uh, he was the main reason I went out there. Um, and he, I will say that I, you know, no offense to the coaches I've had before, but I don't think I've ever had a better coach than Sean Van Allen. I, I really, I can't speak high enough of him, and the stuff he's taught me, and uh, you know, I, he's been so good to me. Um, coming out there from out all the way out to Saskatchewan, he understands what it's like to come from a small town. He's from Shawnaman. Um, and he, uh, he always knew I wanted to have one for the one night we're in Montreal. He finally let me. He knew I was going to get a one game suspension, but he still said, go get a Maji school. <laughs> so he's good that way too. <laughs> well, I was going to say with the university game, so now we're really taking, uh, you know, well, and let's be honest, it's really taking you sort of out of your, you know, out of your, you know your comfort zone because you can't obviously fight in college hockey and uh so like uh right well what what's your what's your basic i mean it's great hockey because now you got all the uh you know you got 20 you got dudes that played major junior and junior a and now they're 21 22 23 i mean so the hockey's really good but uh in, in terms of skill but uh what's your what's your take on the whole college game you know, it's uh, like it'd be better hockey in the WHL, and I'll say that. You know, playing in both, yep. I really do believe it's better hockey in the WHL. It's faster, it's uh, it's harder hockey. Uh, you know, you probably wouldn't believe that, but it is. It's harder hockey to play. Yeah. Um, and li- like you said, it was tough because when I was 17, I made a name for myself by fighting, and now I was in a situation where, you know, it's like I said, it's good hockey. You're still fighting for a spot in the lineup. Um, and I had to find a different way to, uh, to, you know, stay in the lineup. And it was, it was finding different things that I didn't even really know that I could do. And, uh, Sean, like I said, Sean was great with me. He worked with me and, and found, uh, found some things I did that he think, thought I did well. And, uh, by the end of the year, I was, you know, playing a ton of minutes and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's different hockey in the sense of, uh, there's a lot more cheap shots in no fighting, that's for sure. I think I got six more this year and, you know, ran from behind and stuff like that. Like, cause there's no, nobody has to answer the bell. You know, it's just, um, guys can kind of run around and do what they want. But I guess it's one of the things I knew going in that that was the case. And, and you really can't, uh, you know, you can't complain about it if you knew going in. <laughs> it's not like anybody surprised me with it. So, yeah. but it's definitely different and it's never going to change, especially in college. You know, I think. The deans or something would have a heart attack if they actually see a fight in person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see a change in anytime soon, but but no, I really enjoyed it, and it's one of those things where it's gonna work well for me. I'll get uh, hopefully out there for you know four years or so, and then uh, you know graduate with a degree. You have some security, and you kind of you know I'm taking environmental studies, so it'll be something I can translate back, so I can farm and do that environmental study stuff on the side. And, uh, you know, and hopefully when I'm done university, I still want to play pro hockey and I still want to, you know, don't think that's ever gone away from me. It's just, uh, taking a little bit of a di- different route and, uh, going straight from junior to it. 
No, I mean, and that's that's a good play. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you, especially with like you said, with the scholarship program and everything else, I think a, a player nowadays, I think you'd almost be, it's almost foolish not to take that, you know. Unless you get, unless you got an AHL one way deal, it really it's tough to make it make it make sense in your head. Yep. So. Yep. No. Exactly. Unfortunately, that wasn't on the table for me. So. But hey, yeah, you made the right. Uh, you know, I, I think you made the right call for sure. It. Uh, but yeah, just going back to the university thing. It's funny because I was saying to you before we got going, but I've had this battle numerous times on Twitter with people over the last little while. There's this mindset that somehow. Since well, they always equated the NCAA, but it was uh, college hockey is so much cleaner because there's no fighting. Oh, and I was like, well, yeah. I always used to say, hey, you go talk to a guy from Canada that played junior that's now down there playing in the NCAA, and you get back to me on what his answer is. I've noticed nobody has ever replied oh, to me after that. But what's your take on? It? Well, I know what your take is going to be, but. Here it is. What 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 do you what do you think of that statement that the college hockey is a cleaner game because there's no fighting? No, it's, it's not true. Um, there's way more cheap shots and way more, you know, guys. Like I see more hits from behind in two games out there than I see in a full year in the dub. Yeah. Because at least you know in the dub there's that fear that someone's going to come and just put your nose in next week. Yep. But you know there's no there's no fear. Like it's just. It's tough to explain to people, but the best line I ever heard was, you know, if you go up to someone's lunch and you take their lunch and you know that his friend's going to come and kick your ass, you're probably not going to take his lunch. But if you go up to the same guy and no one's going to do anything, you're probably going to take a sandwich if you're a little hungry. You know? It's just, it's the fear of having someone do something to you and whether it's physical or not, I know I might take them, probably not by your listeners, but, you know, the average person listening to it, they crucify me or something for saying sometimes violence is a little bit of the answer but that's just kind of the way i feel on it you know that that fear of knowing that something might happen to you if you, if you do something out of line it it changes the way a guy plays that's for sure yeah well that's what i would say right when there's you know when there's when there's no consequences there's no fear so yeah yeah, so it's, uh, well, there you go, folks. For anybody that uh, wants to throw the, the college hockey argument, there's, well, and then the worst part about, especially down the NCAA, I think they were in full cages. Oh, I know. That well, now you're a real we hero. In, yeah. We play them in exhibition, and it just, it gets out of hand quick. Yeah, because up here in Canada, it's half visors, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was I always said the NCAA. That's one thing they should do is, yeah, I know, like you said, they're never going to have fighting. I understand that, but they should make those uh, make those dudes wear half visors down there. Yeah. No. Exactly. No, it'll be, but it, you know, it's not going to change. And I guess it's one of the things you just got to accept and move on with. Cause, uh, yep. You know, when you do, do see a good one now, you appreciate it a little more than you probably used to. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Exa- yeah. Exactly. Well, Dakota, <laughs> we'll. Uh, like, I won't keep you too much longer, but I was going to ask you, you kind of brought it up earlier when you are talking about YouTube, and uh, and my guest earlier, Josh Mazur, I mean, obviously, before, when I was talking to him, there was no YouTube, and the internet had just sort of started, so it wasn't really something to talk to him about, but with you, I mean, uh, of course, all the fights were available to see, and all the guys you were playing against with uh, on HockeyFights.com or Drop Your Gloves, I mean, you could see everyone. Did it ever, uh, I mean, obviously you would watch, I would assume you watched, like, beforehand. I mean, you'd watch Mackenzie Stewart fights or whoever. Did that ever, was that a, was a, 
a positive or a negative? Do you think it got in your head sometimes, or? Uh, you know what? No, I always, as a smaller guy, I always wanted to be the most prepared I could for a fight. Um, like the one time I remember I, I used to fight a guy out in Florida. His name was uh, Riley Stadel. And just by watching his fight, I kind of figured out he'd always come in kind of with that Viesta punch before Viesta was, Viesta was doing it. Yep. And I kind of figured that out. And, you know, if I hadn't known that, I probably would have got popped pretty good coming off the start. But I knew he was coming for it. So, like, you know, different things like that you can just prepare yourself for. And the same thing with him. I knew he liked to switch. So, you know, midway through the fight, I knew he liked to switch. And I knew he was waiting to switch. So you're always ready with both hands because I knew he was halfway through he was going to do it. And sure enough, both fights that you watch, he did switch. So, um, you know, it probably saved me from getting popped a few times. But... Uh, it just helps you prepare a little more for guys, but that's that's about it. I, would, I went uh, and I always liked watching guys I knew fight and whatnot. And I still to this day, if I see guys I know, I'll watch their fights. And, you know, I'll shoot them a test or you know all those things just to stay in touch. But but yeah, that's, that's mostly what I used it for. Yeah, well, and the one thing I didn't ask Josh, and I kind of, I regretted not asking him, but I'll ask you. Like in terms of the fight, I mean, it's always. Uh... You know, obviously, there's that the mental aspect of it. The people don't really. I think uh, us as fans, like, um, I, I think people didn't really. You, you think about it, but uh, you know, having I've known guys and friends that have gone through the role, and I've seen what they've gone through mentally before games and stuff like that, or the night before. Was that? Uh, did you? Did you? How? How did you prepare for? You know, if you knew a guy was coming, how was the like the night before? What was? Uh, what was that like for you? You know, I, night befores weren't bad. Uh, it was after that morning skate, you'd go to lay down. Um, you kind of knew you were going to go and you'd watch their morning skate and just, you know, you knew, you knew it was going to happen. I guess that's one thing, you know, I'm probably talking to any guy that did it. Um, yep. they don't miss it, that part of it. No. Um, uh, you know, sitting there for a pregame nap and you go through the fight about a thousand times before you actually go through it. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, you go through a fight a thousand times and you go out there and, and you both throw two punches and you fall. And so, you know, it's just like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, but I was always a guy, I like to fight early, you know, fight early and get early in games. Uh, kind of, I don't know if it's just get it over with or, you know, whatever it was, just get the team going. But, uh, but yeah, like that. But as far as that part, I don't miss, but the actual doing it, I, I'm not going to lie. I miss that, you know, like, you know, it's going to Vancouver Coliseum and it's Teddy Bertoss and you and Josh Eric are standing at center ice you know, going at it toe-to-toe, I, there's not many feelings that can replace that. You know, just the pure adrenaline rush you get. And, yeah. You know, there's just, it, it, I, I will say I enjoyed that, the actual doing it. But, uh, you know, the, the sitting up in your bed for two hours for a game, you probably don't miss too much. Did you? Do you think overall the, uh, you know, the, the boys respected you, respected the role? And, uh, or did you ever kind of get a feeling that, uh, you're sometimes taken for granted or, or was it sort of discouraging sometimes? I'm, you know, where I'm not saying name names or anything, but did, did you ever have that feeling sometimes that it was like, you know what, if shit's going to go south, I know this dude ain't backing me up. Like, you know, did you ever have that feeling or? Every single guy I played with was, uh, was unreal that way. Uh, I never had one guy that I didn't feel respect what I did. Um, you know, and that, and that to me, that meant everything. You know, and yep. you talk to any guy that did it, that's, it's not about really anything else other than the boys. You know, I never, I can't say I had many fights where it was just for me to fight. 
you know, it was always something where a teammate got hit or a liability was taken or, you know, all those things. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. That's why fighting is in the game. It's not for, you know, to show abroad at the bar or you're on YouTube or, you know, it's like, I, I could care less about that stuff. It's, uh, you know, and, and you just, what you did for your buddies and, you know, that they respected what you did. And, you know, I still have a lot of guys reach out to me and, you know, anytime I see a guy, we always laugh about it. And a different time where a guy got hit high and I'd come find on this to me, that, that means everything. And, um, so yeah, like I, I wouldn't change any of it. Well, there you go. Yeah. It, um, well, I'll just throw a few names at you here. We'll kind of do the, you know, what, what your, uh, your initial take is on them. And, uh, uh, we'll just kind of go over some of the tough guys of the era that you, in the dub that you were around. You mentioned them before, but we'll kind of, like you, like you were saying, Taylor Crunk? Yeah, mean, uh, left-handed, would fight anyone. He's got about a six-inch beard, looks like he's 35 at 19. <laughs> yep. That's my, Still fighting pretty good in the East Coast. Yeah, my boy Scott there. I know you're listening. Yeah, he's a he's he lives in Fort Wayne. He's uh and he loves Crunker. Yeah, that's his guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh so I had to I had to ask. He was just he'll kill me if I didn't bring that up. But yeah, he uh he has like him and the kids are huge fans. So he's got at least uh, he's got those guys. But uh, and what about uh Tyrell Goldburn? Uh, you know what, the one night I was going to fight Goldborn, uh, and then we never got out against each other again, and that was, uh, that was his last year, I believe, in the dub. Um, but yeah, he was another guy that could just throw both and throw both hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know Crunky always went after him, uh, when they played against each other, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I know they had some good bouts and whatnot, but yeah, Goldborn, he was, uh, he was a tough boy. He threw both pretty well. He's your kind of, he, he took you back a little bit, the old school way. Yeah, I see. He um, he re-signed with Philly. It'll be interesting to see how if he ever gets any time there. Yeah, and it would be nice to see him get a few games. That's for sure. Yep. How about another kid that was a big kid? He's a big, a high draft pick too. Was that uh, Keegan Kanzig? He was uh, he was big and he was strong. Uh, you know, he was he was pretty tough. He'd fight anyone. Uh, he wasn't like the quickest puncher. Like he wasn't a goldborn puncher. He was more of the the use your length and. And uh, the looping punches, but no, he was uh, he was a big, strong boy on the back end there. Yeah. Well, now I, I threw this one at Mazer. I'll throw it at you. This is just kind of off the cuff, but it was uh, who was the best player you ever played with? Junior player, uh, probably the guy that dominated a junior game more than I've seen anyone do it was Adam Lowry. Um, he played probably thirty minutes a night as a centerman, as a nineteen-year-old in Swift. Yep. And he was six foot five. Big, the WHL player of the year that year. He was probably the best junior player I ever played with. Like I just, as far as the guy, game physically, you know, skill wise, face offs, like you name it, he was doing it. All right. Well, who was the best player you ever played against? Ooh, that's a good one. Save a junior player, uh, probably Bjorkstrand. I think he had like 65 goals. Uh, <laughs> either him or him or Drysital. I remember Drysital the one time I was on a PK. He put a backhand saucer pass, uh, no look back door, about uh, 50 feet in the air, and then dropped the guy on the guy's tape for a tap in. I actually, I actually just skated off the ice. And I couldn't believe what just happened. <laughs> so, so sometimes just life just isn't fair. Sometimes. Uh, 
<laughs> I was just like, I was like, this guy, and he was, that was the year he got sent back from Edmonton. I was like, why is this guy playing in this league? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's perfect. It's like, yeah, at least why is this guy not in the American League? Like, come on. Yeah. 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 Well, I uh, will, uh. Yeah. Well, man, it's, uh, pretty well kind of just wraps up, uh, what I was going to ask you, but it was, um, well, I, I got to ask, because, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, about the old man, but uh, uh, how's how's Jeff doing these days? He's doing good. No, Jeff, uh, he's still playing. He played uh, some senior hockey last year uh, in Rokenville. He's player coach. Um, he's doing the farming, really enjoying it. Uh, he's keeping busy. Uh, I always see that guy running. I don't see a guy work harder. And I'm surprised. I think that probably goes but no, he's doing good. Yeah, so he, uh, he just he loves going around the rink and being with the boys. But I don't think that'll ever leave him. That's for sure. Well, I laughed when you said he still play. He still played senior. Does he still kind of get get into it a little bit? You still get fired up every once in a while. Oh yeah, no, he uh, he plays to win. That's for sure. There's, uh, that guy doesn't like to lose. <laughs> well, you were telling me in the final. Well, do- who fought the other? You were telling me the other night who fought in the senior final there. Uh, Conrad McKay and, uh, Christmas Callister. Oh, yeah, that's right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the boys, yeah. even, even at 40 some, are still throwing it down. I love it. Yeah, I, I, you can't take the fight out of the dog, I guess. Yeah, well, what's your, uh, what's your dad think of the NHL these days? Uh, he's frustrated by it. Like, he's frustrated just by, you know, and I think I kind of speak too, is, you know what, it's not as much as you just want to see fights. You just want to see guys. Like, you know, get a little fired up, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're having a guy push you in the face in front of the net or something like that, like, stick him or something, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, and that's, that's what I have a hard time understanding. Like, how, how you can let a guy hit you in the face. I, I don't know. I, I always just kind of lost my mind, but maybe that's just the way people are wired differently. But, but no, it's just, uh, I know he, the one that really bugged him was when Cody Eakin ran Lundquist and no one on New York fought him. I think that was kind of his last draw. Yep. Yeah. The best player and, you know, an all-star for the last 15 years for you. And a guy decides he's going to take a run at him and, it's, you know, blow him up and everybody on the ice is looking to change. That, that you could tell that the team, they're not winning nothing. As soon as that happened, that was the no. end of it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That was like back in the day when Lucic ran Ryan Miller. That was the end of the Sabres. Yeah. Yeah, when no one did yeah. anything. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was no, going to say. It goes a long way. Yeah. Well, man, well, there we go. I think we went an hour and a half, and uh, and uh, thank you very much for being the uh, the second guest on the uh, Fourth Line Boys podcast. No, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Uh, killed some time for me in the tractor anyways. So well, there we go. I got to go back and there's a lot of stuff I forgot I even knew. So no, I, uh, I, uh, I'll be listening to all the episodes coming up and I can't wait to see all you have on here. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I pre, I appreciate you coming on, man. And, uh, and I, like I was saying earlier, the old city boy, now that I have in-laws that are farmers, I got to thank you guys. Like and anybody listening, this is, you know, we'll go away from the hockey, but no bullshit. Seriously, folks, if you're listening, thank a farmer because you guys are like the backbone of this country, and I appreciate what you guys are doing out there, slugging away every night. Oh, thank, thank you very much. It means a lot. A farmer doesn't get that too often. When he does, you got to take advantage of it. 
Absolutely, you guys don't, and you should, because it's uh, that's what that's what makes this country go. Is you guys. So, never met met hard work more hardworking people in my life than these farmers that I've met these last little few years. No, thank you very much. It's uh, it was awesome to be on the show here today. Well, thanks, Nicole. Like I said, I appreciate it, and uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, the, hopefully we get some rain, them crops get going for you, and. Uh, Good luck this uh, this year in uh, out in Ontario, and uh, again, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy. Have a good night. You too. Thanks, man. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?